Welcome to a new edition of The Word of God with Father Reed Henserling, All Saints Episcopal Church in Lakeland, Florida. And I'm so excited because this is a new calendar year, the first Sunday of Advent, the first Sunday of Advent. In the Book of Common Prayer, we have an opportunity to learn the scriptures. Through the Sunday lectionary readings, usually Old Testament, Psalm, New Testament, Gospel reading. And then there's a daily lectionary, which we have been speaking about for months now. A daily lectionary. The daily lectionary begins on the first Sunday of Advent and ends on the last Sunday after Pentecost, which is what we did and studied last week. There are two years to the daily office. There are two years to the daily office lectionary, year one and year two. We are in year one now, having completed year two, and we begin with Advent. Now, Advent is four Sundays, and it precedes Christmas. And everybody knows what Christmas is. It's the the nativity, the nativity of our Lord Jesus Christ. The nativity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christmas Day, that's the official title. And then there's one or two seasons after Christmas, and then we go to Epiphany. But when we get to Epiphany, we'll talk about that. So we begin in Advent, and of course we always begin on Sunday, and we end on Saturday. And so we start the second Sunday of Advent next week, then the following week, the following week. Now, Advent is a, comes from a Latin word, Adventus, which means coming. So we're waiting for the coming of Jesus. We're waiting for the coming of Jesus. And we prepare ourselves for the coming of Jesus. Now, we're going to be looking at three scriptures this week. From Isaiah. So we're going to be in Isaiah a long time because Isaiah has 66 chapters and we're beginning with the first chapter on Sunday. We're going to be looking at 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians. This week will be 1 Thessalonians 1 through 1 Thessalonians 4.18. And we're continuing, if you have been with us, with the Gospel of Luke. And we'll be working on Luke 20, verse 1 through verse 19 of chapter 21. So long chapter, chapter 20 and a little bit of 21. All right, let's go straight to Isaiah. Now remember, if you're doing morning prayer and the way it it differentiates, differentiates itself in the Book of Common Prayer, you have evening prayer and morning prayer. So on the left-hand side, for example, Psalm 146 and 147 on Sunday is morning prayer, and Psalms 111, 112, and 113 are for evening prayer. So you can also read the Psalms. And of course, as you go through the daily lectionary, you're certainly reading all the Psalms. Now, as we go through years one and two, we're not reading every scripture in the Bible, but we're reading a tremendous amount, a significant amount. Now, we start in year one with the book of Isaiah, and we're looking at the first four chapters. The vision of Isaiah, chapter one, verse one, the son of Amos, 
which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Now, kings of Judah, they were in the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom has been um, destroyed, and we are in the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was taken in 721 by the Assyrians. The southern kingdom lasts till 587. And they were taken in captivity by the Babylonians. Now, I particularly love the first couple of chapters of Isaiah. They're just fabulous. I wish I could read them all to you, but we want to be careful about our time. But I want to read some to you. So as you're reading the book of Isaiah, it's a very powerful prophet. It's a very powerful book. It's a very long book. And he's a very significant person in Messianic history, as we'll see in chapter 7, chapter 9, chapter 11, chapter 53, chapter 52, the end of 52. And the word of the Lord that came to Isaiah, and this is about 700 BC, is very, very, very significant. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, verse 2 of chapter 1, for the Lord has spoken. Children have I reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. It's not good to rebel against the Lord. The ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly. They have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. Now, remember, we've all these weeks and months, we've been talking about following the Lord, obeying the Lord, listening to the Lord, and not following the Lord, the wrath of the Lord, the problems with the Lord, and he does not like disobedience. Your country, verse 7, lies desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. In your very presence, foreigners devour your land. It is desolate. It is overthrown by foreigners. And so he encourages them, and he listens to them, and he says, Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, the famous verse 16. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do good. What a great way to live. What a great moniker. Cease to do evil, learn to do good. Seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. Come, here's a very famous verse. Come, verse 18, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. See, there's forgiveness with the Lord. He makes our sins pass away. Though they are red like crimson, they become like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord is spoken. So we enter into this long journey with Isaiah. Read it carefully, read it often, read it well. As he shares the word of the Lord, and he talks about their unfaithfulness, beginning at verse 21. He talks about their unfaithfulness, how the unfaithful city has become a whore. She who was full of justice, righteousness lodged in her, but now murderers. Wow, that's strong language, right? So he promises that we can come back to him if we will forgive be forgiven of our sins. If we will repent of our sins, but if we will not, 
there will be very serious consequences. Chapter 2, on Wednesday and Thursday, verse 6, For you have rejected your people, the house of Jacob, because they are full of things from the east and of fortune tellers like the Philistines, and they strike hands with the children of foreigners. Their land is filled with silver and gold, and there is no end to their treasures. Their land is filled with horses, and there is no end to their chariots. Their land is filled with idols. They bow down to the work of their hands, to what their fingers have made. Wow. So idol worship becomes another significant problem. Remember, that's the first commandment. And so again, the beautiful language, the poetry. And in chapter 3, we see the judgment of Israel. Verses 8 to 15. Jerusalem has stumbled, Judah has fallen, because their speech and their their deeds are against the Lord, defying his glorious presence. For the look on their faces bears witness against them. They proclaim their sin like Sodom. They're not even ashamed of it. They do not hide it. Woe to them, for they have brought evil for themselves. So people bring evil into themselves when they disobey the Lord and they don't do what he says. He clearly outlines what he wants. But if we choose to go our own way, we will suffer the consequences for those things. And finally, on Saturday, chapter 4, 2 to 6, the branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the land shall be the pride and honor of the survivors of Israel. And he who is left in Zion and remains in Jerusalem will be called holy. Everyone who has been recorded for life in Jerusalem when the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and cleansed the blood stains of Jerusalem from its midst by a spirit of judgment and by a spirit of burning. Then the Lord will create over the whole site of Mount Zion and over assemblies a cloud by day and smoke and the shining of a flaming fire by night. For over all the glory there shall be a canopy. There will be a booth for shade by day from the heat and for a refuge and a shelter from the storm and rain. Again, beautiful poetry, beautiful language, talking about the relationship between Israel, or Judah, I should say. Uh, Israel was actually called, in the northern kingdom, they were called Israel. In the southern kingdom, they were called Judah. So we have the southern kingdom now. The northern kingdom has been deposed. And so he's talking to these kings and through these kings, to these kings and to the people, the word of the Lord. Enjoy. First Thessalonians chapter 1. First Thessalonians, a beautiful book by Paul, written to the people of Thessalonica. He had preached to them. He had shared the word of the Lord with them. He was not well received, and so he had to get out of town quickly. And so we have this wonderful pastoral letter of concern that Paul has to make sure that the Thessalonians were fine and to make sure that they were growing in the Lord and make sure that they were growing in their faith. And so Paul writes in response, Timothy has a part to play in this too. Paul, Savanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace, he opens up his letter. So he has five chapters. And we look at the first four today, and again, wonderful instruction here, very different from Isaiah and Luke. Instruction from the Lord, 
very important verses. We give thanks to God for always, for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. Verse 2, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love. There's faith, hope, and love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. We know, brothers, loved by God, verse 4, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word but in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. We, you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. Now, you became imitators of us and of the Lord. You received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. Now, we can take each of those verses and you can meditate on them and think about them and apply them first to the people of Thessalonica and to that time, first century, and to your own life. And so Paul works through chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4 and talks about his ministry to them, talks about what they need to know, talks about what they need to believe, talks about the truth that's in the gospel, and he talks about the way that they're supposed to act in response. Remember, doctrine is your base, and your base is your foundation in Christ. And upon that doctrine, you build your ethic, how you're going to live, how you're going to speak, how you're going to act. You build your ethic upon truth. And, of course, this is why the reading of the Scriptures is so important. You want to know what is that truth, and then he tells you how he wants you to live. Now, there's some historical references here. So, as you're reading through, you want to be aware of that. Verse 6 of chapter 3. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and longing to see us, as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. So Timothy was sent back to let Paul know how we were doing. And this letter was advanced so that they would have some kind of correspondence from Paul. Verse 11, Now may our God of chapter 3 and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we did for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Now, in chapter 4 and 5, he talks about how he wants you to live. Again, read the first three chapters a little bit more about doctrine and some historical analysis. Finally, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to walk and please God, how ought you to walk and please God? How ought you to live your life? This is why, again, the reading of the Scriptures is so important, because he tells you how to do that. Just as you are doing that, you should do so more and more. So God just doesn't want us to do it for one day or one time. He wants us to do it more and more. This is the will of God, your sanctification, your growing in holiness, your maturing in Christ, your being a more godly person, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, from fornication, and all the sexual sins that porneia, which is the Greek word here, signifies. That each of you should know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. Remember, these were pagan people, and they were very immoral people. 
and now they've made made new in Christ. And so their actions have to be different, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. And so he gives you an explanation of what that looks like and how they should live. And finally, on Saturday, we look at 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18, that talks about the coming of the Lord because they were concerned about the people who were left alive and what would happen to them versus the people that died. And so Paul gives them a wonderful uh, expose in chapter, end of chapter 4 and beginning of chapter 5 about the coming of the Lord and the second coming, and all of us always be prepared for the coming of the Lord. Enjoy First Thessalonians. It's a beautiful book. We now look at Luke chapter 20. Now, Jesus is at the end of his ministry. He's getting toward the end here. The um, plot to kill Jesus will be in chapter 22. In chapter 20, we have a fairly long section. We have the authority of Jesus question from 1 to 8. By what authority are you doing these things? It's quite remarkable. Then we have the parable of the wicked tenants, which they would not have appreciated at all. I love verse 18. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. And then the very famous, pay taxes to Caesar. Lord, what should we do? Show me a denarius, he brilliantly says in verse 24. Whose likeness and inscription does it have? And they said, Caesar's. He said to them, then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God. What a great answer. Give to Caesar what's his. Give to God what's his. On Thursday, we look at the resurrection and about marriage and about how that's going to work in the resurrection. For those of you interested in that and don't know that scripture, enjoy that. Whose son is the Christ? Again, trying to figure out who he is. Why are you here? Where did you get this authority? Who are you? We don't know who you are. Why are you saying these things? And remember, he's doing all these great miracles and all this great work. And they're stupefied by his miracles and his wisdom And they're trying to figure out, who are you? Where'd you come from? What are you doing here? Why are you doing it? And then in chapter 21, which closes out Saturday, verses 5 to 19, he's talking about the destruction of the temple, and he's forecasting wars and persecutions. Wars and persecutions. And so um, there's an end time of element in chapter 21 of Luke before we start in 22 and the coming of the traitors and the people that will turn him in and his ultimate death at the end of 22 uh, and 23. And then, of course, he rises from the dead in 24 of Luke. Lord God, bless each and every person as we start this beautiful journey of Advent and we start a new year. Bless everybody's Bible study. Bless everybody's reading. Bless everybody's time in the Word of God. Encourage us to be in the Word of God, to learn the Word of God, to know the Word of God. Let that word touch our souls very deeply and powerfully. We thank you for this holy time as we prepare ourselves for the coming of the Lord and bless everyone as Jesus truly comes on Christmas Day. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. I look forward to seeing you next week. Enjoy your reading. God bless you.